We're going to be in Genesis 45. Genesis 45 and verse 13. Genesis 45 and verse 13. You ever seen a preview at the movies? The preview is meant to give you a taste of what is yet to come. Uh, if you've, I, I've had a, a few conferences in the past where they gave a sample of the music, perhaps a sample of the preaching to kind of give you an idea of what was going to be happening at the conference, um, to give you a taste of what's yet to come. But listen, I want to tell you the greatest taste we could ever have of what to come is the experience that we have now in Jesus Christ as we know Him and uh, His eternal life is in our souls and we walk in the Spirit and we have the joy of the Lord in us. It is a foretaste of what is yet to come. Uh, and, and we need this in times of difficulty. And, and when it's smooth, uh, a lot of times we don't focus as much on what is yet to come. But when it is difficult and when we're struggling or when we're going through sickness or we're having pain or whatever the case may be, uh, we struggle. And sometimes we look with longing to that day when the struggle will be over. Uh, when we will enter into the joy of the Lord and all that He has prepared for us. Um, Paul said in one place, he said, uh, to be with you is more beneficial to you, but to, to, to go be with Christ would be far better. And uh, that, that is the heart, I think, of, of Christians who walk with God uh, and, and know about the hope that He has given us. And the Bible says that uh, now we see through a glass darkly, but then face-to-face. And so uh, what a day it's going to be. This scripture actually is about Joseph. Joseph has revealed himself to his brothers. I am Joseph, the one you sold into slavery. And he's, he's comforted them and he's assured them that he's not trying to get revenge, that he believes God has sent him to Egypt to save many lives. And, uh, and then he begins to... He, he wants to see his father. And so he, he says, look, go get my father. Go get him quickly and bring him down to this place. Well, by this time, Pharaoh has heard what's going on. So Pharaoh also gives some instruction. He says, look, take some carts with you uh, and go, you know, get, your, get whatever possessions you need uh, and bring your wives and your little ones and uh, especially your aged father, uh, Jacob, and, and on the carts and bring them. They said, but don't, don't consider any of these things that you have. If, if you've got too many things to carry, just leave it behind because the best of the land of Egypt is going to be yours. And so there's this, this urgency. Joseph sends them off to bring Jacob back. And you have Jacob who has been, been suffering for 20 years or so at least and um, and he's, he's been struggling, thinking his son's dead. Uh, he's been grieving all this time. Now he is worried about others in his family. He lives in a state of fear because of the past trauma of losing his son. Um, they had to basically twist his arm to get him to let, him take, uh, let, let them take Benjamin to Egypt with them the last time uh, because he was so afraid something would happen to Benjamin. And so... Uh, he has lived a tortured, grief-ridden, struggle, 
in his life up to this moment. And then he gets some great news. Uh, His sons arrive and they tell him, Joseph is alive. Now the text does omit, if Joseph's alive, then what's the rest of the story? And I'm sure they had to share the rest of the story with their father if they had not already done so by this time. But um, Jacob is is stunned, but but he sees all the the male donkeys that are, are laden with all the the treasures of Egypt, and he sees the female donkeys, the ten female donkeys that are uh, laden with all the food and provisions for the journey. He sees the carts that Pharaoh has sent, and he hears the report and what Joseph has said, and, and it says, literally, his heart was revived, but literally it says he was made to live. Isn't that great? <laughs> In other words, God revitalized. We serve a risen Savior, and he can communicate life and renewal and refreshment and a new hope and a new start to his people. And that's what he does for Jacob. And uh, I I couldn't help, as I was studying this story this week, I mean, it's just a wonderful story of forgiveness. It's a wonderful story of renewal. It's a wonderful story that talks about the goodness of God and how God uh, has a, a, an ultimate purpose of blessing for us, even in the trials of life. But I couldn't help but see the parallel between the hope that we are given in the New Testament. Because in so many ways, it parallels what God has given us as hope in the New Testament. Jesus is coming. And God, with urgency one day, is going to say, son, go get your bride. <laughs> and in, in that moment, Jesus will shout and uh, will, will give a loud command that the, the uh, archangel will, will shout. And, and then the trumpet is going to sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise. We are alive and remain. We'll be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And in just an instant, everything's going to change. In just an instant, in Jacob's hearing that message, everything changed for him. Well, one day you and I are going to have a Jacob moment in our lives when God gets ready uh, to take us home. And, And what a day that is going to be. So the title of my message is A Taste of Glory. How does God give that taste of glory to his people. Uh, and so look with me in verse 13. And this is picking up the story. Jake, uh, Joseph is talking to his brothers and he says in verse 13, Tell my father about all my glory in Egypt and about all you have seen. And bring my father here quickly. Then Joseph threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin wept on his shoulder. Joseph kissed each of his brothers as he wept, and afterward his brothers talked with him. When the news reached Pharaoh's palace, Joseph's brothers have come. Pharaoh and his servants were pleased. Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, do this. Load your animals and go back to the land of Canaan. Get your father and your families and come back to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you can eat from the riches of the land. Uh, You are also commanded to tell them, do this. 
Take wagons from the land of Egypt for your dependents and your wives and bring your father here. Do not be concerned about your belongings before the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. The sons of Israel did this. Joseph gave them wagons as Pharaoh had commanded, and he gave them provisions for the journey. He gave each of the brothers changes of clothes, but he gave Benjamin 300 pieces of silver and five changes of clothes. He sent his father the following, 10 donkeys carrying the best products of Egypt and 10 female donkeys carrying the grain, food, and provisions for his father on the journey. So Joseph sent his brothers on their way, and as they were leaving, he said to them, don't argue on the way. So they went up from Egypt and came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. They said, Joseph is still alive, and he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. Jacob was stunned, for he did not believe them. But when they told Jacob all that Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to transport him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. Then Israel said, Enough, my son Joseph is still alive. I will go see him before I die. A taste of glory. How does God give us a taste of glory? Well, he gives us great anticipation. Great anticipation. Verse 13, tell my father about all my glory in Egypt and about all you have seen and bring my father here quickly. Now, we have not been told all the things they have seen, but I'm sure it was very impressive. I mean, you I understand, have you ever seen the exhibit of King Tut? And, and I understand he's one of the poorer pharaohs that uh, ruled. And, uh, and, but the, the riches and the opulence of the land of Egypt were, were something to behold. And Joseph is the second in command over all the land of Egypt. Uh, Pharaoh has given him his second chariot. Okay, I mean, he, he drives the best stuff. He wears, he's got a got clothing from Pharaoh. He's got all the best of everything. Um, he rules over all the land of Egypt. So uh, aside from Pharaoh, he's the most powerful person in the land. And so I'm sure they beheld things that were made of gold, uh, great riches, um, an abundance of food. They're seeing all these things and I'm sure it, it, uh, when they realized that Joseph wasn't going to put them to death uh, and that he had forgiven them and that he was going to sustain them in the land of Egypt, they must have, have had a great anticipation of what was to come. And Joseph gives each of them a change of clothes. Uh, and he gives Benjamin extra changes of clothes and 300 pieces of silver. And then he, he gives these ten donkeys, he loads them up with all the good of the land of Egypt to give him just a taste of what is yet to come when Jacob would, will open his eyes and see what has been sent to him. He's just going to be, wow, if this is the taste of what I'm about to experience, it must be going to be good. And, uh, and so there's this anticipation that is building for the brothers, and then ultimately for Jacob when he hears what has happened. Uh, God has given us information. He's told us about all the glory of our great Christ. Jesus is exalted to the right hand. All the best of heaven is his. We have been adopted into the family of God. And one day, we are going to go and we are going to walk on streets of gold and sea walls of jasper and uh, 
the, the 12 foundations of the city of Jerusalem that are covered with gemstones and the gates of pearl and all of the beauty and the opulence of heaven. But that won't be the main attraction. Isn't it interesting when they tell Jacob about all these things and he sees these treasures, he doesn't mention any of that. He doesn't comment on any of that. All he says is, I want to go see my son. (laughs) You see, the main attraction in heaven will be the son. And when we uh, enter that place and, and we are able to worship him and cast crowns at his feet, what a day it is going to be. The best worship we have ever experienced, we will experience in this new heaven, new earth, and new Jerusalem, which God is preparing for those who love him. Um, It is going to be unlike anything, and it will be untouched by sin. Isn't that amazing? Uh, I'm ready. Just sign me up. (laughs) I'm ready. Okay, I'm already signed up. All right, so um, a taste of glory. How does God uh, give that to us? Well, he gives us a great anticipation. Secondly, he gives us a great promise. Verse 18, get your father and your families and come back to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt. Listen, the good of all the land of Egypt. So you can eat from the riches of the land, literally the fat of the land, the very best that Egypt has to offer is for you. It's a great promise. You've been struggling. Imagine you're, you've been struggling in a famine. Um, you're wondering about run, running out of food, and you, you've been desperate, and you've traveled to a foreign country to get food. And all of a sudden, you realize that there is this abundant provision. And you realize that the leader of the land is assuring you, is giving you his promise. And it's not just Joseph, it's Pharaoh. Pharaoh is saying, I'm going to make you a ward of the state. I'm going to put you in the best part of the land of Egypt, just as Joseph had had mentioned to them. They were going to be cared for and sustained by Joseph directly, but by Pharaoh. The king had this great provision and was making this great promise to them that no want would ever be a concern in their lives. If they, if they had stuff they were left behind, don't worry about it. The best of all the land of it. Did you know the best things you have right now? Your prized possessions are like nothing compared to what God has prepared for you. Just don't even worry about them. One day you're going to leave them behind anyway, and, and you're going to enter into the glory of what God has prepared for. It's a great promise. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. What a great promise. Uh, Revelation describes the city that will be for the people of God. And will reflect the great glory of God. All of that is a promise for us. Uh, and we receive that promise through faith in Jesus Christ alone. So, the taste of glory, how does God give it? Well, he gives us a great anticipation. He gives us a great promise. Thirdly, he gives us a great plan. Verse 19, you are also commanded to tell them, do this. 
Take wagons from the land of Egypt for your dependents and your wives and bring your father here. Uh, literally, it's your, the, the Hebrew word for your dependents is your little ones, your little toddlers, you know, that can't really walk that well. Stick, you're going to stick them in the cart and they'll, have, they'll be able to ride. Uh, your aged father who can't walk very well, you're going to put him in a cart. And so Pharaoh has made a plan. How can we get Joseph's family here efficiently and not have them die in the way or be injured in some way as they're trying to come? And so he has this plan. God has a plan for you and me in this life, right? And part of that plan is to prepare us for what is yet to come. Um, One of my favorite scriptures is 2 Corinthians 5 that talks about uh, the building from God that we have in heaven that is, is prepared for us. And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But he says this, this interesting phrase. He says, God has made us for this very purpose. A lot of times we think of our purpose as being here, and we do have a purpose here. We serve Christ. We try to reach people for Christ. But our greatest purpose lies ahead of us. Did you know you're not going to be sitting on a cloud in heaven twiddling your thumbs? You're going to have a purpose from God. We know that because we look in the Garden of Eden. God gave Adam and Eve control over the Garden of Eden before the sin and the fall took place. They had a purpose uh, to care for the garden that God had placed them in. But uh, God's going to have purposes for us to fulfill. Well, what purpose will I have? I don't know. God, That's up to God. But God has a purpose, and we will have productivity in heaven, and we will, but it, will, it won't be cursed. We won't have toil and grief and heartache. Oh, it's Monday, you know. We won't have any of those experiences, okay? It will be joyful, satisfying productivity, and, uh, and it will be from God. And so um, God's got a plan, and he's preparing us for the plan that he has not only here, but also for the plan that he has that is yet to come. And he's got a plan to transition us from here to there. And we know, what it, we know about it. I just quoted you the scripture here a moment ago. Jesus is going to come and he's going to give the command and the dead in Christ are going to rise and, the, and so forth. And uh, God's got a plan. And then there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. All that is part of the plan of God. Did you know you live with a purpose? That God has a plan for you in this life. He's he's created you for his purpose. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do the good things which God has prepared in advance for us to do. You're created with a purpose. God has gifted you with certain gifts to fulfill here. But God has also got a plan for you for eternity. And part of the the training and the growth that we experience in this life is to prepare us for his plan that is yet to come when our faith becomes sight. So that gives us an anticipation of what is yet to come as well. If you've got satisfaction in your work, if you enjoy what you do, You're in the minority. But if you do enjoy what you do, it only gets better from here. Can I tell you something? It only gets better from here. All right. So uh, a taste of glory. Uh, He gives us a great anticipation, a great promise, a great plan, a great priority. 
Verse 20, do not be concerned about your belongings for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. So he's saying your priority should be to get here and to enjoy what's here. And so if you're loading up your donkeys and you say, well, I can't fit everything on my donkey, uh, don't worry about it. The best of all the land of Egypt is yours. So let your priority be to come down here and to come down here quickly because everything you need is going to be here. Uh, my dad used to have a, a plaque hanging in his office that only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. What we do for others, we do for Christ, right? And we're rewarded for those things. Um, what we give away, we lay up treasure in heaven. Uh, and, and so the service that we do for Christ and the giving and the and, and the love that we show to other people, we do so uh, in the name of Christ, and we receive a reward, and our priority should always be to put Christ first, because everything in this life is going to burn up. The only thing that's going to last are God's people. Uh, well, the people, the people who reject Christ will be in hell, but God's people will be preserved uh, and then what we have done for Christ and the good things and, and, and the service and all these things for Christ will last. And that's why we, we don't need to worry about it. If, now, God, he may bless you in this life. If he does, wonderful. Enjoy it. God has made everything richly for us to enjoy. Uh, but make sure it doesn't become your priority. Have you ever seen somebody, they, they get saved and they're, full, they're all excited about the Lord and uh, you know, they begin to make some changes in their life and to follow Jesus, and God begins to bless them, and before long, they get a promotion at work, and all these things are going well, and before long, they've got these new toys, and they're, boy, I've got, I can do this, and I can go here, and I can do that, and, and Christ falls into the background, and they're consumed with enjoying everything they have in this life, and they, they begin to drift from Christ. Um, this is what this is saying is let your priority be the things of eternity because this life is like that. And then we enter into eternity, which lasts forever. So live your life with the perspective of the long view and uh, let your priority be Christ. By the way, you'll enjoy the things you have here more if Jesus is number one. You'll be able to have the joy of the Lord in your heart and the peace that passes understanding. I'm going to tell you something. This world can't satisfy the deepest need of your soul. Only Jesus can. And so as you put him first in your life, as you follow him, as you walk filled with the Holy Spirit of God, you are going to have more joy uh, than those who don't have Christ. And um, even if you have difficulty, Christ will be walking with you. So uh, there's a great priority. So God gives us a taste of glory and the good things he gives us here. If you've enjoyed a fine meal uh, this week somewhere, uh, or maybe it's your home. Uh, it's a take. Did you know God's got a, a menu plan for heaven? Now I've I've told people I think there'll be Starbucks in heaven. I don't know if it'd be Starbucks, but uh, you know there's certain things I think it would be great if that was in heaven. You know, but if it's not, God's got something better. And. The Bible says there'll be the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, whatever your views are, are on the end times, uh, there's going to be a supper. There must be Baptists in heaven if there's a supper, right? Uh, so, 
Anyway, uh, God's got a plan for it. And so um, it, it's going to be a great time of enjoyment. I forget where I was going with that, but uh, maybe I'm hungry. All right. So um, taste of glory. He gives us great anticipation, a great promise, a great plan, a great priority. Next, a great down payment. Look at verse 23. He sent his father the following, ten donkeys carrying the best products of Egypt and ten female donkeys carrying grain, food, and provisions for his father on the journey. Now, if he had just sent the female donkeys, you might say, well, he's just providing some provisions for the journey. But he sent the male donkeys with all the best of the land of Egypt. Why does he need to send that? They're getting ready to come to Egypt, right? Why send ten donkeys laden with all the best of Egypt if they're just getting ready to come to Egypt, you can just give it to them when they arrive, right? I believe it was to create an anticipation and a motivation for them to come on down to Egypt to give them a taste of what was yet to come. Uh, the Bible says that uh, now we see through a glass darkly, but then we will see face to face. The best times of revival and worship, the times you've been closest to the Lord in your quiet time, maybe when the glory of God has fell down and maybe you've had tears running down your face because of the joy and the presence of God as he's ministered to you, just a taste. Seeing through a glass darkly. We, <laughs> we have no concept. If that's a taste... Come on, Jesus. I, I'm ready. Um, he gives it, the blessings he gives us with answered prayer and meeting our needs and providing relationships in our lives that bring encouragement and joy. Did you know we'll have the best relationships we've ever had when we get to heaven? There'll be no sin. There'll be no insecurity. There'll be no uh, people trying to use other people to get stuff from them. Uh, we'll be genuine. We'll have great relationships. People will have deep, satisfying relationships. The best we have here is yet a, just a taste of what is yet to come. Uh, when we see the change of character that Jesus brings in the life of an individual, again, it's just a taste of what is yet to come. When we're blessed by the truth of God's word here, our understanding here is limited. It's just a taste of what is yet to come. God blesses us with the blessings of heaven now in our relationship with him. And one of the reasons he does so, he does so because he loves us. But another reason he does so is to give us a taste and to help us anticipate what is yet to come. To come, So there's a great down payment. So he gives them a great anticipation, a great promise, a great plan, a great priority, a great down payment, a great assurance. Verse 24. Now this one's kind of more implied, but look at verse 24. It says, so Joseph sent his brothers on their way, and as they were living, he said, don't argue on the way. He, he knew his brothers. He knew uh, their M.O., okay? And so he's talking to them about this. But why do I call this a great assurance? There was no need to be jealous. You remember what happened beforehand? They were jealous of Joseph because he had a coat of many colors. They were jealous because he was the father's favorite. 
um, there was this, they thought they were going to miss out because Joseph had the favor in the family. But what has Joseph just told them? He said, I will sustain you. The best of all the, the land of Egypt is Benjamin's. Does he say that? No. The best of all the land of Egypt is yours, plural. Every last one of you. You're going to have the best that Egypt has to offer. You don't need to be jealous. You don't need to fight. Because the king knows your name. Pharaoh knew their names. Pharaoh was excited. The court of Pharaoh was excited when they found out Joseph had brothers. Why? Wow, they loved Joseph. They respected Joseph. Uh, and when they found out his family came, even though they were shepherds and Egyptians generally despised shepherds, they were excited. And Pharaoh is going to make sure that each one of these brothers of Joseph has everything they need, that his father has everything he needs. He knows their names. He has a plan for them. And he has set aside provision for each one of them. I'm going to tell you something. The king knows your name. He saw you in eternity past. He said, this one is going to give their heart to me. And I've got a plan. I'm going to forgive their sin. I'm going to provide what they need. And I've got the best of heaven awaiting them. Did you know um, when, uh, my wife's a lot better at this than I am, but um, when grandkids come or when kids come to our house, she knows them and she knows what they like and what they don't like, and she's got a plan. Alyssa showed up at our house. I didn't buy chocolate milk for Alyssa, but Sherry knows that she likes chocolate milk from Weigel's. So what did she, she's driving, she's driving home from the airport and she's picked up chocolate milk for Alyssa. Now I'm going to tell you something. God knows what you like and what you don't like. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. <laughs> now, think about this a second. He is preparing something customized for you. I believe that with all my heart. God is an individual God. He cares about each one of us as individuals. Every one of us is important to him. Every one of us was created and fashioned by God in the womb of our mothers. Every one of us, in whatever gifts, he's given us different gifts, every one of us is valuable to the Lord. And he has made a plan for us. <laughs> One day we're going to see what that plan entails. Um, you know what I've found as I've, as I've lived for the Lord? I, I used to think, well, I know what I want. I know what I need. Uh, when I was young, I, that's kind of how I thought. This is what I need. Lord, this is what you need to give me. This is what you need to do. And I'm, I'm giving, like God needs that information. But um, what I found is, I really didn't know as much as I thought I knew. That God took me down some different paths that I wouldn't have chosen. But they were what was best for me. Now the God that fashioned you knows you so perfectly. That he knows the greatest delight of your souls. 
And that's what he's going to bring you someday. Um, so don't argue. Don't be jealous of other Christians. <laughs> don't worry about. It's like uh, Peter saying, well, what about him to John? You know, uh, Lord, Lord Jesus, what about him? Well, if I want him to remain till I come, what's that to you? You follow me. You know, don't worry about your Christian brother. Don't think, well, if only I was so-and-so. You don't have to be so-and-so. You're not a second chair. Jesus Christ created you and fashioned you as his masterpiece. Delight in the love of your Father and be assured that he has your best interest at heart. And one day, you're going to receive what he has prepared. So a taste of glory, how does God give it? He gives us a great anticipation, a great promise, a great plan, a great priority, a great down payment, a great assurance, and a great renewal. Verse 27. But when they told Jacob all that Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to transport him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. Or as the Hebrew literally says, he made his soul live. There's going to be a great renewal one day. Now I want to tell you, we've got great, we've got great renewals here. You know, God gives times and seasons of revival. For, he renews churches. He renews individuals. Uh, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Yes, God renews us here. But it's seen through a glass darkly. One day all the griefs, and the, pain, the pains and the struggles of this life will be forgotten. We'll lift up our eyes and we'll see the inheritance that our Father has prepared for us. And we'll see the Savior who redeemed us. All those past griefs will be forgotten. We'll enter into the joy of the Lord. The heart of Jacob revived. I want to tell you something. Uh, The best spiritual renewal you've had here is just a taste. The best experience of God's presence you've had here is just a taste. I don't know that we can completely, perhaps if you look at a little child who who has not yet learned about all the grief and the sin and the heartache of this world, and you see just a little innocence in there, you know, uh, maybe they are a little bit closer. But... You know, we see, I don't even think we can conceive of living in a world without pain, without heartache, without struggle. Uh, our life is a continual seesaw. I'm not saying you can't have consistency in your walk with God, but things happen to us, right? There are things that punch us in the gut. There are things that we struggle with. One day that will forever be in the past. Can you think about this? You'll never have a bad day again. (laughs) God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. No more sorrow. 
no more crying, no more pain, for the former things have passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. (laughs) This is what our Savior has prepared for us. A taste of glory. So the next time you have a great experience of God's presence, or an especially great answer to prayer, thank God and praise God for what He's done, but also remember it's just a taste. The best is yet to come. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for the hope that You give us in Jesus Christ. Thank you uh, for the, the picture that so vividly betrays, portrays for us the transformation that's going to take place someday. Thank you, Lord, that there is a land far away. That there is a Savior whose face shines like the sun and whose glory is so great that the angels bow and tremble before him. Thank you for the city you've prepared and the the change that you're going to bring as you take away the old sin nature that we have and you usher us into your presence. Thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. We don't deserve any of it, but our Savior deserved it in our place and gave his life so we could enter in. We praise you and we honor you for all you've done. And Lord, if there's someone here tonight that doesn't know Christ, I pray that tonight would be the night. I surrender to their trust in you.